it's, it's kind of incredible that that pastor's given me so many opportunities, and he hasn't, he's invited me back and not said, no, we're, we're good. Just, just go off in the corner. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very grateful for pastor and his leadership um, and uh, mentorship, actually. So he's, a, he's one of those that we would call a pastoral coach. So he's, he's always leading and guiding, but also, you know, Joe, think about this. And he'll, he'll always frame a question in the way that you're almost trapped. You have to, have to evaluate yourself. You have to see where you're at. So I'm really grateful for him and grateful to be sharing with you this morning. Uh, so like I said earlier, it's been a pretty eventful year. What do you, what do you think? Um, you know, you kind of think, you kind of do the recap of the year just so far. You have, you know, from, from wildfires to the run on toilet paper. How, how many of you guys still have toilet paper maybe in the basement or just, just hiding somewhere? Because it was, it was pretty intense for a little while. The run on toilet paper, obviously to COVID and the quarantine to um, being creative, online graduations, Zoom meetings. How many have been in a Zoom meeting before? And, and somebody didn't turn off their mic or they didn't mute themselves. Um, we had some pretty, pretty funny, pretty funny moments. We had a, a Zoom meeting with our youth. Must have been April or May. And what I would do, I would ask them, "Okay, here's what you do. This is our game. The first person to bring, and I would say an item, and they'd run across the room or the house and grab that item. I say, okay, first one to bring a roll of toilet paper and bring it to the camera. Ready? Go." And you see all these kids flying everywhere, and um, it was it was madness. It was crazy. It was a lot of fun, but we've we've had so many things happen in this year. So the run on toilet paper, the Zoom meetings, the run on the sanitizer, whenever that was out, and now coming into the fall, we've had the economic crises, we've had the protests, now we've had the political season, and finally in two days. An election. And then the Christmas music will come out, and we're going to be seeing the Christmas music all the way. We might need Christmas even in January for how this year has gone. <laughs> Let me ask you something with everything going on. How many of you have read, heard, or saw something from somebody else that offended you this season? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Okay, during this, this polarized, crazy time, uh, we live in the world today, and we know the enemy's mission is division, and that's been his MO from the beginning, division, divide, division among the country, division in the church, all the while Christians are caught in the middle, and people are asking you, asking me, what side are you on? What side? What, what, what side are you on on this issue or this political side? And all the while, all, it's all important for us to, to, to work through what we believe, absolutely, to look at the scriptures. But I'm going to challenge you today, this morning, take a step back and to say, hey, I am for the kingdom of God. I am a citizen of heaven first. Absolutely, I'm a citizen of this nation but I am a citizen of heaven first. 
What would happen, church, if all Christians, all, every single Christian on this earth, they were identified by their love instead of all the rhetoric? What would happen if we were identified by our, by our serving, by our love, instead of what we say? Now, more than ever, we need to love loud and clear. How many know what I'm talking about? We know, we've, we've heard the messages loud and clear. Now is the time to make sure we take priority that we're loving others loud and clear. All right? Let's go ahead and begin, and I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we, as we jump into this passage in 1 Peter. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, again, we, we come to you. We were thankful for this time. We're thankful for your word, Lord, that is living and active and that you are still speaking to us here in 2020. Lord, I pray that you would make this word come alive and into our hearts. We love you. We praise you. I pray this all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Look with me. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to look at this passage. We're going to look at a few others in 1 Peter and in Matthew. But this is, this is the focal verse I want you to look at here. Peter says this. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Look at verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Someone say amen to that. Let's talk about the context. What, what's happening here with Peter as he's writing? This is a letter. Peter writes this letter to Christians who are under persecution. They're living as strangers and exiles among their homes because of persecution. The beginning of the letter, Peter writes, he says in verse 1 of chapter 1, he says, God's elect exiles who are scattered throughout. And then he talks about all these provinces in Asia Minor, which would be modern-day Turkey right now. One of the main themes of First Peter, church, is that Christians will suffer because of their faith. Well, that's encouraging. Great. Peter says in 1 Peter 4, verse 12, he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. He's basically saying, don't be surprised. You're going to have people accuse you of things. You're going to have people ridicule you for being a Christian. Don't be surprised. But these Christians that Peter was talking, they were talking to, they were not only getting persecuted, history would tell us that things were going to get about a lot worse. These Christians, the Roman Empire, Asia Minor, the Emperor Nero at that time would come to power. And he would blame Christians for all these different things that they didn't do. And he would persecute them. He would kill them. He would send them off in prison. These believers that Peter's talking and encouraging to, they were tempted to fight back. 
And even Peter, fiery and as stubborn as he was, he says, no, no, it's time for us to live such good lives that they glorify God. Wow. He was telling these Christians to set such an example for the pagans, for the people who don't even believe in God. Set such an example that they have nothing to say about you because they look at you and they glorify God because of your life. There was a, a, a college professor for, at the Bible college Lydia and I went to, and he told us this story that he was, he was a missionary on the field for many, many years in Belgium and, and uh, Europe. And at that time, at the church that they were serving under, there was a man who uh, the community knew as a troublemaker. And what happened this troublemaker guy came into the church, and um, he started to, to spread some lies, and they kind of squashed it. But then he made a really direct accusation to this missionary, and he accused him of having an affair. And this missionary said, no, 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 absolutely not. And what this troublemaker tried to do is try to rally people with him against the missionary. But the missionary lived such a good life, had such a marriage of love, nobody would side with him. And what one of the church members said is, he said, no, 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 I've seen this. And he pointed to his ring. I've seen their marriage. I've seen their love. And he had nothing to accuse them of. And it was dropped. And he was dealt with. But church, there's something to be said about living in such a way that people around us see God working in us. How many know that we're not perfect? We're going to have our moments. Whenever somebody cuts you off on the interstate, I'm going to have my moment too. Just say, you know what? God bless them. God, God bless them. But there's something to be said. Even we're going to make mistakes, but that there's this consistency, there's this faithfulness in our life that people look at us and say, you know what, there's something different about you. There, there's something different in your, in your persona. You, don't, you just seem like you're filled with peace and hope and, and your behavior. You, you, you live like a, I guess, a model citizen, but somebody that, that not only loves his family or loves his church, there's something different about you. What would happen, church, if the world would know us, yes, by what we believe, but first by our love, by our love for each other, by our love for the world? We're living in a day where, where arguments and conversations and debate, discussion, it's published and posted for hundreds and thousands to look on and observe. They comment, they draw their own conclusions, and Christians are drawn in to the fray. We're tempted to fight back. We have the temptation to engage, but then also we have the temptation to lose our place, our footing as believers. Well, again, what did Peter say? Live such good lives that the pagans will glorify God even though they accuse you. How do we do that? By our love. 
So our first point this morning, church, lead with love, not loud arguments. Lead with love, not loud arguments. But I am just like you, I'm sure, that you've disagreed with a family member or a friend or a neighbor. This, this, is, this is the season. This is the political environment we're in. You're going to disagree. But lead with love, not loud arguments. What did Jesus identify as the key trait that the world would know us by? Our social media posts? Our favorite candidate? Look at it again. John chapter 13, verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. What's the context of that verse? What's, what's happening around it? If you remember in the Gospel of John, John chapters 1 through 12, all the way through, Jesus keeps talking about his mission. He keeps talking about his Father who sent him. But then you turn to chapter 13, and Jesus knows his hour has come. It's time he knows the cross is coming. He knows that he has a few opportunities, a few moments left with his disciples to influence them and to not only tell them what's going to happen, but also to set an example. And before he says this, what does he do in John chapter 13? He washes their feet. An amazing act of servanthood and love. Today, though, church, love for our neighbor is something that goes by the wayside in our polarized environment. True? It, it does. Today, effective communication is usually whoever's speaking the loudest. That's the one who wins. Whoever's the loudest wins the argument. It's whoever has the largest platform or who can shout over the other. And every four years, how many know we get a little louder, a little more on edge? One writer said, as social media posts reveal, at times Christians jump into the fray with more hostility than humility and more venom than virtue. So let me just show you this. I always have some sort of illustration. What do we got here? Lemon and orange. Oh, not orange. Lemon and apple. If it turns into orange, that'd be amazing. Uh, you, have you guys seen the pictures or the YouTube videos of a baby eating a lemon slice for the first time? And they, and they, they pucker up. They just, oh, let's go to that first the picture there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I asked Lydia, I said, hey, should we do this with, with baby Abby? She says, no, don't do it. <laughs> I, I think we did it with Chloe or Emily. I, I couldn't find the pictures. But um, what do you do whenever you, you suck on a lemon slice? You, you kind of pucker. You kind of wince. You kind of, oh, you know, you get used to it. You know, how many of you guys like sour things? Sour Skittles, sour candy, sour, I don't know, other sour stuff. One, though, one fruit, obviously, is sweet. The other is what? Sour. How many know that we can still give life-giving news, but in a way that is more tolerable? 
you may be absolutely telling the truth. You absolutely may be speaking your convictions. You absolutely may be correct in all your biblical citations. Absolutely. But people want to see how you are presenting nowadays. They want to see how you care for them before you discuss what you believe. True? They want to see how much you care before they care how much you know. So there's a way that we can still give them the life-giving transformation news of Jesus Christ, but in a way that they accept it, that in a way that they, they understand. But today, how many know it's true? It's hard having a normal conversation with people because of everything that they bring into the conversation, their baggage, their background, everything. It's hard to have conversations nowadays. But Jesus, if you look at the whole gospel story, he jumped in. He certainly didn't shy away from correcting the Pharisees and Sadducees, calling them a brood of vipers and calling them whitewashed tombs, exposing their hypocrisy. But he was also on a mission of love, of knowing what the cross was going to do. In the Sermon on the Mount, what did Jesus say about loving people? That I love people that are only of my political party? Do I love people that only agree with me? Only from those that are in my same neighborhood, sound like me, dress like me? No, absolutely not. Here's my next point, church. Love everyone, even those who you disagree with. This is where the rubber meets the road again. Look at what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, verse 43. You have heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And look at verse 46. This is, this is key for us today. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? If you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Remember, Jesus is flipping the script here. Because the Jews, they knew, entrenched inside of them, we love our own kind. He flipped it. Hey, you heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say to you, meaning I am transforming your ideology, what you believe. I'm changing it from we only love our own kind to now love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. It changes our whole perspective. Let's look again at that First Peter passage. The First Peter passage where it says, again, uh, look at verse 12 again, where Peter says, Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I want to share it with you in the, in the message, just a paraphrase. But I love the way that the author here 
talks about living our lives in front of, in front of the world. 1 Peter 2, 11 through 12 in the message, it says, Friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Right here, though, live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Okay, meaning your actions, the way you live your life, even if they have a bad attitude on Christians, it may change because we are not like them. You're not like them. Then he says, then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Wait a second, God. Love people even if I disagree with them? Don't you see what they're posting? Don't you see what they're doing? Don't you see what's going on in their life? Shouldn't I be angry at them? Did Jesus leave a a, a what-if amendment in that command to love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you? No, but let me, let me encourage you guys, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, that our job is to love everyone and to let our love be loud. And whatever the, whatever the outcome is on Tuesday, it's time for the church to love again in such a way that the world looks at us and praises God. It's time for us to reach out and to, our peop- to a people in our community again, to pray and love on our neighbor or our coworker, or our siblings or our family, even if they voted for whoever, love them. Whoever, or that they identify as a whatever party, love them. What should we be focusing on? We need to love our neighbor. But remember, The Christians that Peter was talking to, they were really tempted to fight back, to retaliate. God, don't you see what they're doing to us over here? Don't you see what's going on? We're going to look at another point here from 1 Peter, but I want to give you this this point. Stay focused on the kingdom of God, not on retaliation. Stay focused on the kingdom of God, not on retaliation. And look at what Peter says in 1 Peter 3. He says, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Whoa. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Doesn't that seem upside down? Doesn't that seem a little counterintuitive? Hey, they were insulting me. Don't I have some leg room here? Don't I have an opportunity to retaliate, to go back? How many of you have seen this in real time? Whether it's a, a, a discussion post online that's kind of blew up, or even just a conversation with, with friends or family that, that started civil and went way in the opposite direction. There's not much you can do sometimes. But let me encourage you this. Usually one person is screaming or yelling their opinion about the other person. But whenever the Christian is is calm, 
respectful, loving, forgiving, there's something strange that happens. It diffuses the situation. What does Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes? He says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. What does meek mean? In the original text, meek would mean strength under control. Strength under control. Meaning, if you kind of picture, how many of you have ridden a horse before? Gone horseback riding, okay? It's that whole, it's the whole picture that you had the, the bit, right? You have the reins that this horse or the stallion or whatever you're riding is incredibly strong, but it's under control. Strength under control. Meekness. Diffusing the situation. Is Peter saying, though, that we shouldn't say our peace? Is he saying that we shouldn't stand up for the gospel? He gives us guidance on the way we respond, but not if we should respond at all. When Peter says, though, repay evil with blessing, isn't that, isn't that tough? Why would you do that? It, it, it shows the love of God in such a tangible way, and yet it's pretty ridiculous that somebody, they're heaping insults on me, that I'm repaying them with blessing? It may just be, church, let me make sure you hear this. It, this may just be the moment for them that it opens the door of their hearts for God to come in. That you repaid somebody blessing instead of insult. It may be the exact moment that they need that the Holy Spirit can work inside their hearts. But so many times we've missed opportunities because we've responded the way we want to respond. And I, I get it. I'm with you. Lydia will attest that I'm, I'm pretty political as well. I, I, I like, you know, kind of researching certain things and looking at certain, uh, you know, the stats in certain ways. Okay, I'm going to say this part of my argument. And then sometimes I get that quick in my spirit that says, are you diffusing the situation or are you throwing more fire on it? Well, Lord, don't you see they're really in air? I mean, honestly, they're really wrong. Don't you get that? You, you get it? So, you just, all, all you hear is this whisper, Joe, are you, are, are you adding to it? Are you adding to the situation, throwing more fire into it, or are you diffusing it? Repay evil. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil. Everyone say blessing. Blessing. Repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Many people, and this is, this is just for free, many people don't need your debate points. They need your love. They need your love. Again, they may be curious. They want to know what you believe. I want to know what you guys believe and what, what your convictions are. But they need our love. Focusing on loving people and staying focused on the kingdom of God, that's our mission. Now let me go by this way too. Please vote on Tuesday if you haven't already. We need our voices to be heard, right? We are a citizen of this nation. We are a citizen. We, if we don't, your voice won't be heard. Um, 2016, Lydia and I, we were in the Toledo area. 
And the lines were absolutely crazy on election day. I went maybe at 6 a.m. before my shift. Um, and there was not only this tension, you know, in the lines at election day. Um, and obviously, this was pre-COVID, so everyone's scrunched together. And you barely can move. And this, there was this tiny little, you know, community center that we voted at. Um, but all the while through, you know, weaving in the line, you know, just kind of, it was interesting talking with people. Um, more people, a- as you talked with them, they were, they were upset. They were angry. And they were voting out of a response rather than voting for conviction. That's a whole other path that we'll go down. But let me just encourage you, church. We need our voices to be heard. We want America to experience revival we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven first. We want to see people give their heart to Jesus first. All right? And then after that, we might help them with their political ideologies. <laughs> no. We're going to be different. Love people who disagree with you. Absolutely. But at the cross, we are set free from our bondage. Amen? In a room of yelling people, an elegant note of love, it stands out. It's like a dark room. How many of you guys have, have been in a dark room and you can't find the light switch and you're looking around and you hit your foot? Man, the other day I stepped on a Lego and it was just, wow. Thanks, kids, for cleaning up, you know. But you're looking for the switch and, and, and once that light turns on, you see everything. In a dark and hurting world, we need to be more of the light of the world. Make your love, here's the next point, church, make your love louder than your words. Make your love louder than your words. Now more than, now more than ever, people are looking for those who love one another. And, and honestly, through, through this quarantine time, and um, it's been really um, encouraging to see the people of God being creative, whether it's um, through, you know, like a birthday parade that comes with cars or um, the Zoom meetings. Um, it's been amazing to see how God's people have stepped up and loved each other. But this is where the rubber meets the road, church. As polarized and as divided as this country is right now, we need to be agents of the gospel. We need to know, we need to preach, we need to live our lives in such a way that says, you know what, I, I may disagree with you, but I know that the cross is the only place where you're going to be set free. Where the cross is the only place where your marriage will be restored. Where the cross is the only place where maybe your prodigal son or daughter may come back home. The cross is the only place where your addictions will be broken. It's not my political ideologies. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. Truly then will revival come to our nation. Remember, you know this verse. It's time for us to start living it. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, that's step one, humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and then turn from their wicked ways, a complete repentance. 
Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Church, God is love. That's who he is. He loved because, or he loves us because he first, I'm sorry, we love him because he first loved us. Jesus showed us what love is on the cross for us. Remember, whenever we, we, we get to a point where we say, you know, we had this kind of hide it, elated attitude of ourselves, we didn't desert it. We we're all saved by grace through faith. Unmerited favor, the grace of Christ. Look at this verse with me here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Ephesians 2, 14. It says, For he is, he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. That's who our God is, church. He is our peace. And he destroyed the wall of hostility, meaning we are no longer enemies of God. We are restored into the family of God as sons and daughters through what Jesus did on the cross. So what is God telling us today? I believe now more than ever, God is challenging us as a church to rise up and to let our love speak louder than our words. Amen? God is asking us, to say, you know what, I understand that you're passionate about your ideologies, about what you believe. I understand, I'm glad that you're, you're passionate for your convictions and, and holding the word of God to stay true. But I want you to love people the way I love them. I want you to, to love your coworker, your neighbor, your friends, your family members, even those that you disagree with. I want you to love them in such a way that they turn to me because of your behavior. I want you to love in such a way, to live such a life that echoes my humility and my love, that whenever they look at you, they have nothing to accuse you of, and they're going to glorify me because of it. Our witness, let me back up. God, forgive us for allowing rhetoric and debates that get out of hand to tarnish our witness rather than our love for Jesus Christ. But I believe, church, God is challenging us in two areas this morning. Number one, that our witness to the people around us would represent the love of Christ first before anything else. That before we speak, we have a heart check and we say, have I loved this person that I'm going to speak to? Have I served them? Do I see them in, in the way that God sees them? That they, are a, that, they, that they are created by God and that he has a purpose and a plan for their life? Or am I just trying to correct their faults or their errors? We love people no matter what. That's the way God loves them. Pray that God would show you ways to love on people even in this crazy election cycle. How can I love on my coworker? How can I love on my friends and my family members? How can I love? How can I give maybe generously to somebody? 
How can I love in such a way that even though I don't agree with them, I know that he's, he's asking me to do something for them. How can we love on people in this, in this season? But number two, I believe God wants us, number two, to pray for this nation. Absolutely. Praying for God's will. Praying for unity among his people. And pray that this country to experience God's revival and his presence like none other before. We need him, church. We need him to unite us. And for the enemy's plan of division to fall. We need to live in such a way that our love is louder than our words. Amen? I want you to stand at your feet this morning. I know we have a little bit of time left, but what I'm going to do, just with a few minutes that we have, before, before you guys move on, I know we're a little early, I want you guys to have some time of prayer. Praying for this nation. But I want you to think about maybe one person that you can love on in this season. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a way that you can say, God, help me to know Teach me, show me what I can do for this person that they may experience your love in this season. There's a lot of hurting people in here, here at church, a lot of people in our communities, in our friend circles that need to know the love of God. Amen? So as the worship team just begins to play Holy Spirit, I'm going to challenge you guys. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some moments before you leave the sanctuary that you know where your heart is. Maybe you need to ask, just honestly, for forgiveness. That you've let your rhetoric and words get away from you. And maybe God is convicting you to say, you know what? I need to love first. I need to live in such a way that my life shows Christ. Maybe it hasn't before. Start fresh. Say, God, forgive me. Help me to turn my way so that my life reflects you. And then lastly, before you leave church, pray for this nation. Pray for the election, obviously. Go vote. But know that we need God like never before. We need him to unite this nation. We need him to unite people in the church. We need him to know. We need to know his love. So as they begin to play and as they begin to sing, I just challenge you guys. We have a few minutes. Spend some moments of prayer. Come to the altar. Live in such a way that gives glory to God. Pray that you would know how, what can I do to love on somebody? What can I do to like maybe a coworker, or a friend or neighbor? Maybe just a card or a gift or maybe it's just as simple as shooting a text say, hey, I'm, I'm praying for you in this season. I know you're having a hard time. I'm with you. And then before you go, pray for this nation. So let's make this place a, a place of prayer. There's not going to be any formal benediction or ending. 
It's just going to be a place of prayer before we go. Lord, we thank you again for this morning. Lord, today I pray that your people would seek your face, would humble themselves, and would turn from their wicked ways. And as they do, God, would you hear from heaven? Would you hear us? God, help us to live such good lives that we reflect you and that the people around us, they would glorify you because of how we're living our lives. Lord, I pray that we would have moments to speak to our neighbors, our coworkers, family and friends, that they would see and then they would hear of our love because you love us and you love them. Lord, we worship you. This morning I pray for hearts. I pray, God, that we would turn our hearts toward you. We would pray for this nation. Unite us. Lead us. Guide us, God. We need you this morning. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Altars are open. Spend a moment in prayer before you leave church. Pray for someone that you know you need to love on. Pray for this nation. Let's There's sing this morning.